Well, greetings, Church of Grace and Peace online family. Welcome to service this week. We're so glad that you've joined us. And I want to take a moment to, uh, with great appreciation and thanks to you and the Lord, pray over the giving that is happening during the service and the giving that you've participated in uh, just during this last week. And uh, we so recognize that our giving is uh, a modeling of generosity. It's worship unto the Lord. It's part of uh, growing to look more and more like Christ, but it's also an investment in the building of the kingdom of God. And so often I like to remind us as we get ready to pray for the offering that our finances here at Grace and Peace touch so many different areas when it comes to uh, bringing the love of Christ, lifting up hope and salvation in Christ to a hurting, broken, dark world around us. So whether it's what happens online, whether it's what happens on our campus in Tom's River, and we have services and discipleship classes and all kinds of different meetings and things that happen, our, our pantry, our clothing room, our outreaches, or whether it's through the partnerships and ministries that we stand with on a monthly basis that are on Jersey college campuses and uh, in, in different facets of ministry, whether it's support to the body of Christ or uh, bringing hope to folks that haven't met the Lord. And then there's the partnerships that we have with those that are uh, in the nations and bringing the gospel to people uh, who don't know the Lord, whether it's in urban areas, whether it's in uh, modernized nations and in some places going to the furthest reaches, uh, even reaching into making inroads into people groups who are now just hearing about Christ for the first time, if you can get your, your heart and your mind around that. So I thank God for your faithfulness in giving because it is your partnership uh, with the vision at this church and your partnership, my partnership, right, with the Lord together, we're seeing God's purposes for this church continue to advance. So let's just pray now and ask God's uh, anointing on all that's given and blessing on the giver. So Father, here today, we are so grateful uh, for this partnership that we have with you uh, to be your hands and your feet and your heart and your voice extended to the world around us. And we do pray for every dollar and every cent that is, um, has been given, that is being given now here today, uh, Lord, that you would put your anointing on it and that you would cause there to be great fruit, just a bounty of, of harvest that would come out of our giving, uh, that your kingdom would continue to advance, that Jesus would continue to be lifted up. And Father, we do pray your blessing on the giver. Lord, we thank you that you've told us in your word as we live generously, as we give freely, that um, it'll return back to us and that you're our supplier. So thank you, God, where there is need in our lives for meeting that need. Thank you that you're our supply not the unshaky circumstances in this world that we live in, but it's you that supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory, you told us in your word. And we just give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, we are getting to our message now, and we are uh, in our great series, Known by His Name. And in this series, we have been looking at the names of God uh, as they are revealed in the Bible, as God, in different moments where God is interacting with his people, there are key significant happenings that show God's character and God's nature to his people. And so not only do we want to better know God that way, but it also helps us to better know what that means for us as his children. So in today's message, we are looking at the name Jehovah Nisi, 
which is the Lord my banner. Now that might be an interesting one for you if, if you're uh, not familiar with Old Testament in this picture of banner. Uh, we're going to go through and explain it, but that's kind of interesting, right? The Lord my banner, the Lord is my banner. Isaiah 59, 19 uh, says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And standard is another word for banner. It's another word for flag. Um, we're, we're speaking of all the same thing when we're saying Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. So, so let's talk a little more, a banner, a standard, a flag. What was it in, in Bible days and, and what, what does it stand for? Like what is this meaning? What is this saying about God's character? And what does it mean for us as believers? So um, a flag, an ensign, a standard that was carried by an army into battle. So sometimes it, there wasn't even a flag on it. Uh, in ancient times, it would be a pole with a bright ornament on top that would catch the sun. And, and the armies would be able to look and they would see the standard. They would see the banner. And we'll talk about the significance of that. Uh, but but in, in warfare, in ancient times, this flag standard was highly prized in, in battle. In ancient times, uh, they would write the names of special victories uh, and, and engrave them on this banner, you know, as they would go into battle. Uh, it was also the last disgrace of an army to lose their standard. I mean, that would be the ultimate symbol of defeat for them. And in many battles, men have fallen in heaps around the standard uh, in an attempt to preserve it. I don't know if you've had a chance to ever see the movie The Patriot, but there's a scene in that movie toward the end. Uh, it's, you know, and it's, <clears throat> um, you know, set talking about the American Revolution. And this is, you know, this key battle against General Cornwallis. And there's one spot where the um, American troops, they begin to break ranks and uh, they, they, uh, they're starting to lose and they start retreating. And the guy who's carrying the, the American flag, the guy who's carrying the banner, uh, he's starting to run away. He's starting to retreat. And then our, our, our main hero in the story, Benjamin Martin, uh, he grabs the flag and he kind of gets into a place where the, the, the uh, troops could see him and just starts waving the banner and he's yelling push forward and I mean, it's just a, a really really powerful moment in the movie where you know, you know all the troops they they just rally you know the resolve comes back their courage comes back and they wind up charging and breaking through and winning the day so you, you know the the power and the significance of the banner being raised in battle uh, it's something that through the generations has had such big impact you know, and, you know, confusion on the battlefield, you know, especially in days like this, you know, uh, cannons going off and all kinds of, you know, yelling and screaming and, you know, ju just the, the, the picture of, of the, the smoke on the field and all this stuff, um, you know, uh, it would be easy to get disoriented on the battlefield. But one thing always would rise above the smoke and the confusion, the flags of the different armies um, that have been raised as their standard, their banner over the centuries. And uh, you can see the pennants and the flags flying in the breeze, even if you can't see the man standing next to you. And so that's a little bit of a picture here if we look at, well, what's the significance of a banner, of a, of a standard, of a flag? So uh, here's another thought. The standard bearer was an important part of the battle as well because they were the one leading the charge. And oftentimes they went into battle unarmed. 
So if the standard bearer was wounded, the nearest man would drop what he was doing, pick up the flag, partly out of respect, but more importantly, because it was the focal point for the troops to keep pushing forward. So, So all of this background on the flag, the standard, the banner, what does it mean, the Lord is my banner? Well, this banner will identify um, the army and it will be the rallying point for the people. So when we say the Lord is our banner, he is to be our identifying point. He is to be our rallying cry when we're in trouble, when we're in battle, whatever the situation is. And so when we say God is our banner, we mean that he's the one that we trust to defend us when times get tough or when the battle is on. So let's look now at Moses and the Israelites, and, and we're going to look at a story uh, in the Word of God captured uh, and, and, and preserved for us in the Word of God when the Israelites wind up fighting uh, an enemy called the Amalekites. And I'll explain a little bit of what was going on there, but we're going to see a couple of key truths, a couple of simple things that we want to take away from the, this message today as we understand the Lord our banner. So, so let me give a little background before we get into Exodus chapter 17. Israel has, you know, they've been captive, they've been in bondage in Egypt, and God moves with these mighty miracles and breaks their chains and breaks their bondage, and now they are set free, you know, and now God begins to show them who he is and what it means for them as a people. And so they get to the Red Sea and the Lord parts the Red Sea. The Israelites go through the, the Red Sea and it closes up over the pursuing Egyptian army. And so God delivers them from their enemies. I mean, it's nothing they did. It wasn't their warfare. It wasn't their great tactics. God did a miracle. He opened a sea uh, so they could walk through it and then he closed it back up on top of them. Then they travel in the wilderness and they get to a place that's called Marah where they're um, thirsty for water and the water is bitter. The, the, the water is toxic and God heals the water and gives them water. So he's beginning to show the relationship of as they depend on God, who God is in their lives. And then they go to a place called Elam, which was a place of rest and refreshment. But all along the way, Israel is kind of going through this back and forth, up and down on this roller coaster of seeing God deliver them and then getting into fear and worry and grumbling and doubt and unbelief and then God delivering them and then fear, worry, doubt and unbelief. And they're, they're kind of yo-yoing back and forth is God is trying to show them who he wants them to be as his people. And then they get into the wilderness of sin where they begin to doubt and complain again. And then they come to Rephidim. Uh, so these are all different points in the travels. If we were to go and read through in Exodus, we would see these different stopping points where, where God is working and dealing through. And once again, they doubt God uh, and, and they complain against his treatment and they wonder if he's abandoned them. And this is a, kind of a very special thing because God has Moses uh, strike a rock, a large rock, and water literally flows out of the rock. And the New Testament tells us, by the way, that this is a, a picture of Christ, you know, um, you, you know the, the breaking of the stone so the, the water could, could come out, you know, Jesus being our rock. Um, so anyway, at this point, God does this miracle and, you know, God's had all of this dealing with them as they come up to this point. And now the Amalekites decide they're going to come out of the mountains and they're going to attack Israel. We know it tells us in the word that they were uh, a pretty crummy, pretty noble uh, group of people. 
and they would come down behind the Israelites where the, the weak and more vulnerable were straggling behind and they would attack them and harass them. And, uh, you, you know, the Amalekites are looking at the Israelites. They're not trained warriors. They, you know, they've been captives. They've lived for generations as captives. So they're not trained in war. Um, you, you know, they've, they've been shaken up. They're, they're just literally with whatever they could carry out of Egypt. So, you know, there's kind of like a ragtag rattled bunch of folks and the Amalekites think that it's an easy whooping that they're going to put on them, but they don't realize uh, that these were the children of God. These were people that God was forging to be people in his name that know him and that God was forging it, that God would be their banner. So let's take a look now with that background, Exodus 17, and I'm going to read in verses 8 to 16. It says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held his hands up with that rod in his hand, as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. In verse 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. And he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Malachites from generation to generation. So wow, there, there is so much Bible theology uh, principle that we could preach from this portion of scripture. But our message today, the goal of our message today is just to grasp three essential truths that relate to Jehovah Nisi, what God wants us to know about him and about us in this name, Jehovah Nisi. So let's look at these three truths. Number one, you and I, we've been born into a war. So when we look at this picture of he's, he's the banner of the army, what army? The army of the Lord. And whether we like it or not, whether we embrace it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, we have been born into a battle. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of darkness and they are in opposition with one another and we uh, need to make a decision. Do we uh, w you know, follow God and work in his army, advancing his truth, his love, his salvation? salvation, his hope, his healing uh, to our broken, hurting world? Or do we allow the kingdom of darkness to advance in our world and in our lives? So we have been born into a war and we have an enemy. There's a universal enemy that's out there. And Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we as Christians, we have got to understand that it is such folly when we allow ourselves to be at war with other people. 
You know, I heard one of my mentors say one time, somebody asked them, uh, because he's a very uh, influential, uh, <clears throat> you, you know, has, has a very um, prominent voice in front of a lot of people. And he was asked in an interview, well, you must have enemies. And he said, I have no, no enemies. And, th- and this interviewer kind of pressed him a little bit. He said, what do you mean you have no enemies? That's impossible for you to, you know, and I, and I hear you. You, you take stands. You, you, you're not wishy-washy like a politician. You have to have enemies. And he said, no, 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 I, I, have, I have no enemies. And he said, now, now let me clarify. There are people that don't like me. There are people that maybe would consider me an enemy. He said, but I have no enemies. You know, and I love that. I think that's a picture that recognizes and acknowledges I don't fight against flesh and blood. My battle in this world is not against other people. My battle is against the, against the spiritual forces of wickedness that are in the world, that kingdom of darkness that oftentimes is pulling the strings behind the scenes. And that's why God has equipped us uh, for this warfare with, with a shield of faith and a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, and as we're, we're told about those weapons of warfare that we're given, we're instructed to pray always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. So we do our battle on our knees. We do our battle uh, in prayer. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We stand against the, the spiritual en- enemy that's out there. Now that's not to say that as the enemy is working in flesh and blood, that we don't take stands against wickedness in our world. I just want to be clear, balancing statement, that you hear as much what I'm saying and don't confuse what I'm not saying. What, what, what I mean is when we stand against wickedness in the world, I really live and we ought to live in a place where that person is not my enemy. It's the ideology from the enemy that that person is working in. And if we can keep that settled and keep that straight, I believe that what God can do through us is going to be far, far more than anything that we can do, uh, that God can do through us if we allow ourselves to be fighting people. We always got to keep the fight on the enemy and doing our best to choose to love people, serve people. All right, so now there's, that's the universal enemy, but there's also a very personal enemy that every one of us fights. And when it's interesting... If we were to go and do a deeper study here on the Amalekites, on Amalek, uh, theologians, you, you know, spell it all out, and, and, and it's a very rich study, that this is a type. So many times, uh, things and, and peoples and, and locations in the Old Testament are all types and symbols and foreshadows of truths that, that are real uh, in, in our New Testament for us in Christ. So the Amalekites... Theologians tell us that that is a symbol of the flesh. So when we talk about raising up a standard, when we talk about we're in a war, we're in a war against spiritual forces in this world, and we're in a war every day against the flesh. That's why the Bible tells us that we have to take up our cross every day. What does the cross do? That's our flesh dies, and then we walk by faith, we live by faith. The Bible tells us that if we walk by the Spirit, we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's a part of keeping the flesh uh, pinned and crucified and walking after the things of the Spirit. Uh, I'm not going to say a lot more about that in this sermon because our small group study for this next week, uh, for those of us that are in small group, we're going to really lean into that and talk more about this idea of um, raising up the standard uh, to walk out greater holiness, to walk out greater being sanctified by the Lord uh, as he is our standard and the banner, the banner in our life against our flesh.
So truth number one, we can never forget we've been born into a war. Okay, truth number two, our banner, this banner is our rallying point in the battle. So hey, if we have been born into a war, if we've been born into a battle, what do we raise? What's our standard? What's our tactic when we have to defend ourselves, when we have to uh, engage in this battle? you know, that's going on in the world around us. Joshua and the troops were sent into the valley while Moses and Aaron and Hur stayed on top of the hill with the rod of God uh, was in Moses' hands. And as we read, Aaron and Hur were helping him keep that, that rod raised. And again, with the Amalekites representing the spiritual forces that are arrayed against us and the flesh nature that we have to stand against, um, Israel's best men couldn't defeat the Amalekites without the banner being raised. We're not going to win this battle in our flesh with our mind and our thinking. We're not going to win this battle in our own strength. The, the really, really big picture that we get in this battle is, yes, the, the soldiers had to fight. They had to engage, but it wasn't their actions that gave them the win. It was the raising of the standard uh, that allowed them to win. So uh, it wasn't only Moses' intercession that won the battle, but specifically his intercession with the raising of the rod of God in his hands. I, I want to point that out to you. So there's several things. They're taking action, intercession, and the rod of God. That, that, is, that is the standard, we could say, being raised in the air. And uh, this, this rod of God, what does it represent in the Old Testament? Well, it brought the ten plagues on in Egypt. Uh, it was the rod uh, put into the waters of the Red Sea where God parted the Red Sea. It was the rod that smote the rock in the wilderness where the water gushed out of the rock. Um, so it was the rod as the banner of God which brought them the victory. That's the point I want to drive home. Under God's raised banner, victory is always certain. It wasn't enough to be the people of God. It wasn't enough to know their promises. It wasn't enough to engage in the right activity. The Lord had to be lifted up uh, among them. He had to be raised as their standard uh, in, in, in order for the victory to come. And, and, and I'll, that, that'll make a little more sense as we move through here. Let's move to point number three. Our banner then, uh, the, the Lord is our banner. Our banner is our Redeemer. Our banner is our Redeemer. And so this rod represented knowing God and His presence and, and God's covenant and God walking with them. And that raising of the rod was, was that faith and that trust in Him. That faith in the name and that, that walking in trust and relationship as that was lifted up in obedience. And as the, the, the soldiers fought, God came and God gave them the victory. In the New Testament here, and all of our Old Testament points us to Jesus, points us to Jesus, points us to Jesus, right? Jesus is our banner. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 22, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the nations. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their hips. There, he's talking about, you know, this, this banner. This banner is Messiah, Jesus. Isaiah 62, 10 to 11. 
pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, raise a banner for the nations. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your Savior comes. The banner is raised up. Your Savior is the banner. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. So these, these, are, these are prophecies of the coming Messiah. Interesting, again, going back into Moses' day, and we go a, a little bit further along after this situation with the, the serpent in, uh, I'm sorry, this situation with them fighting the Amalekites, and the Israelites are in the desert, and they begin to get bitten by poisonous snakes. And God instructs Moses to have them take a serpent and put the serpent, pierce it, and put it on a pole and raise that as a standard. And as the Israelites, this is a very peculiar story, right? As the Israelites gazed upon that standard of the pierced, defeated serpent being raised in the air, they were healed and they were delivered from the poison of those snakes. And again, it does tell us in the New Testament that this is a picture, that that serpent being raised, that rod, that standard raised in the desert, that that was a symbol of Jesus being put on that cross, being pierced on that cross so that that sin and death and all that accompanies the work of darkness has been broken in the lives of people. And as we would see Christ, embrace Christ in our lives, that we would be saved, that we would be delivered as well. So uh, this picture of you know, our banner is our victory and our redeemer. Um, the, what the rod was to Moses, the name of Jesus is to the New Testament Christian. And, you know, the disciples, how did they carry out their miraculous ministry um, even before Jesus had been crucified? You know, uh, and, and in Matthew eighteen twenty, we gather in the name of Jesus. And, I, and I'm just going to rattle through these references, uh, but ju- just to paint this picture here. In uh, Matthew 9 and Luke 9, uh, the other disciples are casting out devils in Jesus' name. In Mark 16, believers are, are said to be doing, the things, uh, doing things in Jesus' name. Luke 10, demons are subject to us in Jesus' name. Uh, John 1, 2, we're saved by believing on his name. Uh, Acts 3.16, the lame man was healed through the name. John 14, we're, we're to ask in Jesus' name. So uh, I, I want you to hear this. What the rod was for Moses in the Old Testament, the name of Jesus is for the Christian in the New Testament. Now we read of a story uh, in, in the Bible, in, in the book of Acts, where there are some, some folks watching Paul cast out devils in Jesus' name. And so these folks make a decision, well, we'll cast out devils in Jesus' name. And it actually tells the story that they say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, you know, come out. And the the devil, it says, basically laughed at them and says, I know Jesus, I know Paul, I don't know you guys. And he beat up on them and chased them out of the house. So so here's what I'm getting at. The name of Jesus, it's um, it's not a magic formula. It's as we are God's children in covenant relationship with him. It's the name and faith in the name that is the raising of the standard, raising up of Jesus in the life of the victorious believer. It's, you know, it's not just simply um, saying, now his name is the name above every name, but it's not just saying it in some haphazard fashion. It's those that know him embracing his name in faith. So 
In Isaiah 11.10, it says, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, uh, and his resting place will be glorious. So uh, again, th- this last picture here of uh, our, our really, really important truth, you know, uh, is that uh, our banner is our Redeemer. So we're born into a war. Uh, our, our second point that we looked at here, let me just go back, um, make sure I, I say these in order. Yep, we're born into a war. Our banner is our rallying point and our banner is our Redeemer. So let's now uh, get ready to close this message. And I have a couple of stories that I want to share that I hope will just really touch your heart and impact you on God's desire to be Jehovah Nissi in our lives. So let me, let me kind of bring it back to the b- beginning. Do you have a standard that you raise up when the battle comes? Do you have a standard that you raise up when pressure, stress, difficulties of life, the attacks of the enemy, when the squeeze comes on, do you raise a banner? And is that banner Jesus Christ? Is it Jehovah Nisi being raised up in your life? There was a little boy who was spending his Saturday morning playing in his sandbox. And in the process of creating roads and tunnels for his toy cars, he discovered a large rock in the middle of the sandbox. The boy dug around the rock, managing to dislodge it from the dirt. And he pushed it and he nudged the rock across the the sandbox by using his feet. But he was a very small boy and it was a very large rock. And when he got to the edge of the sandbox, he, he found that he just couldn't roll it up over, over the edge, kind of like the lip of the sandbox and get it, get it out of it. And determined, he just pushed and shoved and pried. And every time he thought he had made progress, the, the, the rock just kind of fell back into place. Hey, can anybody relate where you feel like you're just trying to get rid of that boulder, that obstacle, that, that thing in your life? And man, it just feels like it rolls back in. So uh, again, the little boy pushes and shoves until uh, he smashed his, his little fingers and he bursts into tears in frustration. All this time, the boy's father is watching from the living room window as the drama is unfolding. And at the moment, the tears fell. A large shadow fell across the boy at the sandbox. It was his father. And gently but firmly, he said, son, why didn't you use the strength you had available? And defeated, the boy sobbed back, but I did, Daddy. I used all the strength I had. No, son, the father corrected kindly. You didn't use all the strength you had. You didn't ask me. And then the father reached down, picked up the rock, and removed it from the sandbox. I want to remind us as we wrap this message up, God says in his word, it's not by might, it's not by our own power, but it's by his spirit that we, we live and move, right? And we have our being, right? It's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's by His Spirit. It's not our striving. It's not, you know, so often we can fall into the pattern in the battle, whatever the battle is, of trying to work our way out of it, not using all the strength we have, not raising up the banner of the Lord, raising up the banner of Christ in our life. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He always leads us in triumph. But we have to raise that standard. We need to call upon Him. We need to believe in faith that He is Jehovah Nissi. Last story, and we're going to close with this. During World War II, there was a passenger ship that was setting sail from Great Britain, heading for the port in New York City. 
And the captain of the ship was afraid of enemy vessels, and he sought the advice and the guidance of the British admiral. And the admiral calmly assured the captain that no matter what happens, he should be sure to sail his ship straight ahead. Do not take any detour, said the, uh, uh, sail the ship straight ahead. Continue onward, heading straight toward the intended mark. So after several days of sailing across the Atlantic Ocean, which was undeniably filled with submarines and enemy vessels of all kinds, the captain spotted an enemy destroyer far off his forward bow. Nervously, he grasped the handset and called for assistance. The calm voice replied, keep on straight, do not detour, just sail the ship straight ahead. Everything will be just fine, just keep on going straight ahead. Well, after a couple of more days, the ship pulled safely into the great harbor of New York City. And shortly after docking, the great British battleship, Man of War, pulled into the port behind the passenger vessel. The captain then realized that while he did not see the British battleship, she was there standing by, standing ready to come to his defense should it need to happen. Isn't that just such a beautiful picture of that's our God. He is saying, I am your Jehovah Nissi. All you have to do is raise the standard. We're born into a war. And when those warfare moments happen, the Lord is there. He's got our back. He's right there with us. And we want to use all the strength that's available, his strength, and raise the banner of Christ in our lives. So we're going to pray in just a moment, uh, but with that, let me just, uh, uh, right before we do, Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all of these, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because he is your Jehovah Nisi, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about next steps. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Religion isn't going to get you through. Just believing that God is out there and is really who he said he is, isn't going to get us through. It's embracing Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. The Bible tells us that God comes to dwell in our heart and that from there we live a brand new life, sins forgiven, born again, heaven bound with the greater one living on the inside. If you have not yet made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, there, there's a place uh, on our uh, Next Steps page where you can pray a prayer with me uh, and, and we can give you some, uh, some direction on how to begin a walk with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If you haven't done that, do that today. A next, uh, next step, second one, is to commit to making Jesus your banner in the battle. If you'd say honestly today, in the battles of life, 
you know, it's, your first thought isn't to raise the banner of Christ. Your first thought is, you know, in the flesh or just to deal with it or just to bear up or, or whatever other, other thing that's a substitute. Maybe today is the day to make the decision. Nope, he is Jehovah Nisi. He is my Jehovah Nisi. And then the, the last next step you can take is to memorize Romans 8.37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So I trust that God is speaking to your heart and that uh, you'll take a step of action today, whatever that looks like, if not one of these things that, that I mentioned, just whatever God would put on your heart, you know, to just stop and say, all right, out of what I heard today, Lord, what do you want me to walk out as we wrap this message up? Hey, let's pray. Father, as we close here today, we're so grateful that it is your good promise for us to be our victory, to be our banner, to be our rallying point, to be our redeemer, to be our defender. And, and Lord, we just choose, we take a step of faith today to say that we trust you as redeemer. We trust you as our standard, as our banner. And Lord, in the face of the challenges that are in our lives right now, challenges that are in our world right now, we thank you that with you in our lives, with you in our hearts, with you raised as the standard of our lives, we are more than conquerors. We declare it, we believe it, and we give you praise for it. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, God bless you, church family. We'll see you soon.